I want to begin with reading the second half of the gospel reading for this week, which comes from John chapter 6. The first half uh, I dealt with in the Clayton for this week. If those of you who get it and have read it, if you don't, you can find it on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, And the first half is about the feeding of the 5,000. The second half is this little story here. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. What do we do with this strange little story? First of all, it's not a part of or doesn't seem to be a part of Jesus as the bread of life, which is what the whole of the rest of chapter six is all about and which we'll be dealing with in the next few weeks as part of the lectionary. So why is it here? This is a very carefully crafted gospel. It's not here simply because the the author of John thought it happened straight after the last event. It's here because it needs to illuminate something and presumably something to do with the bread of life. I think one way of looking at it is to see that the problem that the people have that this text opens up is that they thought they knew who Jesus was. Now, Jesus was a sign. That's very clear in the Gospel of John. Jesus does signs. And they point to him and he is a sign that points to God. That's kind of central to the way John's gospel is put together and the way the author of John thinks. So if Jesus is a sign, what is he a sign to? Well, this group of people thought they already understood that. They say in the few verses before, just straight after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd says, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And then later, a couple of verses later, John's gospel says, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountains by himself. Jesus didn't understand himself as the return of the prophet. The prophet, the the era of the prophet had ended hundreds of years before in people's uh, thinking. But many longed for the return of the, of a new prophet or the return of Elijah or Elisha, the one of the, the two of the great prophets of Israel's history. If they would come, they could gather the people together and lead them. Many looked for a, a, the beginning of a new age in which a Messiah would come and free them from Rome. But Jesus was clear he wasn't either of those things. He was not the Messiah, at least not the way they understood it. And and maybe not the way we understand it. We, too, are often looking for um, people who will save us, make it all easy to understand and give it a clear direction as a way forward. But that's not the way saving happens in the Gospel of John or in any of the Gospels. Jesus doesn't ride in on a white horse. He comes in humbly on a donkey. He doesn't take charge, not in the way a king does. In fact, He's put to death by those who are in charge. So what's going on is something quite different. So these people think they understand Jesus. And this story, I think, helps unpack the fact that they don't understand at all. 
It's a very symbolic story. This is how it begins. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. It was dark, dark and night. The difference between dark and light, day and night, that's central to John's whole way of thinking. It's a very symbolic idea. Jesus was the light of all people. The first couple of verses of John's gospel says, so here it is dark. It's a time without Jesus. And if it underlines that by saying Jesus had not yet come to them. It's a time of exactly how John's community was. This is happening. They're, they're reading this. John's gospel is written 60 years, maybe later uh, than the than the events that they're talking about. And our time, obviously, 2000 years later. Jesus is not with them present, not present with them physically. So what does it mean to be part of the Jesus community if Jesus isn't here? The story goes on that they got into the boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. Now, we need to understand the, the, the sea, the Sea of Galilee in this gospel very uh, metaphysically. We need to understand it as a kind of metaphor for the soul, or the spirit, the psyche. It's engaged with a lot in the gospels. They cross the sea quite a lot. It's as if um, the gospel is saying to us, we need to engage with that deep soul, spirit, psyche part of ourselves. If we don't, we only know in part. We, we only know ourselves in some sort of physical way and we don't know ourselves deeply. That if we do engage deeply in who we are, then we become whole people. I think that's one of the ways of understanding the Sea of Galilee in this text. It says that the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. We understand our spirits are blown about by things that are not physical. Our emotions, um, if somebody slights us, that changes the whole way we are as human beings, even though nothing physical has changed in the world at all. Our emotions uh, direct us so much of the time. If somebody looks at us with love, particularly if we're a young person and we see someone across the other side of the room who we're attracted to and they look like they're attracted to us, everything can change, even though nothing physical in any way has changed at all. It's as if um, uh, the, the deep part of us is kind of constantly moving. It's rough and the strong wind is blowing. So when they're right out in the middle, when they, and this is how the text says, when they rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. Jesus here is walking not on the water. It's very clear he's walking on the sea. God is, if you like, is deeply engaged with the spirit, the soul, the psyche of the human being. In fact, if that's not true, if that's not true, then there's no real experience of God at all. But it says here that they were terrified. Are they terrified because it was Jesus? But don't they know who Jesus is? And Or is it, are they terrified because Jesus in this moment wasn't who he was supposed to be? He wasn't being the prophet or the king. He was, if you like, deeply, so deeply embedded in the um, the essence of what they were that they were terrified. It was as if they were worried that they were somehow going to be taken over by an experience of God, which, of course, is exactly how the mystics all through the ages 
have spoken about their experience of God as, as if they've been overwhelmed by the goodness of God, by the abundance of God, by the over, by, by the, the kind of overwhelming nature of what it means to be connected to God. And that links, of course, to the first story, the feeding of the 5,000. Everyone gets fed and there's this overabundance left over. But Jesus said to them, and here we've got this, I think, not well, um, well looked at. It says, it is I, do not be afraid. The actual Hebrew or the, the Aramaic and then changed into the Greek says, I am. It's, it's the way that God talks about God's self. Jesus walks on the sea and says in response to their terror, I am. This is the way God speaks of God's self in Exodus, central to the Hebrews. They have a God who has no name. God is so above and beyond naming that that in many parts of the Hebrew story, they choose not to give God a name. We, we think that somehow if we name things, there is a sense where we understand them. And the Hebrews are saying we can't understand God, so we won't name God. They sometimes used initials for God, the, the word uh, which we translate as Yahweh. Um, they used um, the word Elohim, which simply means God. It's like calling a person human or naming your dog dog. It's, it's just a, a statement of of what you're experiencing, not a name. They also use the term Adonai, which means my Lord. Um, and we've used that all the way through the New Testament as well. It's a, it's a way of avoiding saying a name. So what Jesus is saying here is I am. God is present in our deepest parts, in the essence of who we are. Does that terrify us? Well, I don't know if it should, but maybe it should unsettle us. Then the text says they wanted to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. There's somehow, if we think about this from a, uh, a deep psychic point of view, there's something about welcoming the presence of God, which is present anyway, but welcoming that into all of our terror and shame and uncertainty in all of the deep part of who we are that we barely can look at ourselves, let alone share with anyone else. When that happens, it's as if something immediately changes. And we've all had those moments of, if you like, spiritual insight when all of a sudden we have this aha moment. Suddenly we, it, it all for a moment makes sense. It might be when we're sitting quietly watching the sun go down uh, after a day of either joy or sorrow. It, it might be just simply a moment in what, where we read a phrase. Um, one of my great uh, mentors, uh, Frederick Buchner, uh, who's long dead now, but wrote many, many books, said um, that for him, it was uh, the phrase great laughter that he can't remember where it was connected. But it was part of a sermon that he heard when he was a young man. And, he, and the way the man who was preaching said it, it, just those two words, great laughter. He suddenly had an insight of what it meant for him to be connected to God, to the universe. Uh, to the uh, to the depths of everything. It's not the only way we could look at this text, but it is a way where we can in, invite a deep spiritual experience into ourselves from this story. 
that desire to want to be, to take God into the boat or to Jesus into the boat, to take God deeply within us, to take the meaning of the universe, the ultimate reality, the divinity, whatever language we choose to use. And sometimes if we just use God, it can be a very narrow uh, old man in the sky image that's very hard to get out of our heads. But if we think of it as the essence and energy of the universe that is pulsating through everything, through the story of the 5,000 and through us, to the the, uh, um, the the gift of of the abundance, the overwhelming abundance of food, and the overwhelming abundance of life and joy and happiness and hope that can come. Okay, that'll do. I think. God bless.